Hi, this is Marcus, and I just want to welcome you to the Timbers Church Podcast. We're excited that you're here. One of the things that we aim to do is to add some value to your life, to your family, to our community, and our world. We do so by exploring the truths that come from God's Word. So start the journey with us and hit subscribe and check out this podcast every week. Now, let's dive into this week's message. Well, hey there, Timbers family. How do you like our lights? We're trying something a little bit new, a little bit fun, and uh, let us know if you think that this is a cool look (laughs) in the comments below. But who's ready to start a new series? I hope that you are. Last week, we finished up a series called Fear Not. If you did not catch that, we're not a part of that. Man, you need to go find it on YouTube or Spotify because, man, it hit home for me. I hope that it hit home for you as much as it did me. It it was just, I felt like it was really good. Uh, But anyhow, we're going to start a new series this week, and I'm going to try to keep this one here a little bit lighter, okay? Uh, But I have a feeling, even though I'm trying to keep it a little bit lighter, I have a feeling that it still has a tendency to maybe be able to pull a little punch, okay? (laughs) So buckle up. If you have a notebook, pull it out, and you can write this. We're going to call this the Comparison Trap, Comparison Trap Part 1, okay? Now get out those Bibles, and we're going to jump right into our text. It's going to be Ecclesiastes chapter 4. We're going to start with verse 4, read all the way to verse 8. It's going to say this. And I saw that all toil and all achievement spring from one person's envy of another. This too is meaningless, a chasing after the wind. Fools fold their hands and ruin themselves. Better one handful with uh, tranquility than two handfuls with toil and chasing after the wind. Again, I saw something meaningless under the sun. There was a man all alone. He had neither son nor brother. There was no end to his toil, yet his eyes were not content with his wealth. For whom am I toiling, he asked, and why am I depriving myself of enjoyment? This too is meaningless, a miserable business. Let's pray. God, we want to invite you into this message to speak clearly to us. We pray, Father God, that you open our ears to hear, open our eyes to see, and open our minds that we might understand, and soften our hearts so that we'll be able to receive all that you speak, and then give us the strength and the courage to put all that you speak into action. Because, God, we don't want to just be hearers of your word, God. We want to be doers. Help us, as Timbers Church, to be your church. And everybody said, no matter where you're watching this morning, amen and amen. Okay, let's dive on in here. Uh, Someone once said to a room full of pastors, they said this. They said, if you speak from your weakness, you'll never run out of material. If you speak from your weakness, you'll never run out of material. Well, today I'm going to give that a go, okay? I'm going to speak from my weakness, okay? It's COVID-19. COVID-19 has hit, and I have noticed a little thing that's inside of me uh, that has sort of been revealed, okay? And I've been doing a lot of this. I've been doing a lot of looking to my right and to my left. I've been looking, I've been looking. And if I'm honest, I've been doing a little bit of comparing, okay? I've been measuring myself to what I see. I, I know, I wanna know how I'm stacking up to everyone else because because the truth of the matter is there's other churches that are struggling with COVID-19. There's other pastors leading through this season. And so I wanna know where do we fit into the mix? Are we doing the right things? Are we keeping up with the, everybody else, right? COVID has revealed this to me. But the problem, 
problem has always been inside of me, right? It's always been there. Even if I go all the way back to my high school days, it was there, right? I struggled in school, probably not as much uh, like like as some, but, but I struggled, okay? It wasn't easy. The truth of the matter is when I went through school, reading and spelling were a nightmare. They did not come easy for me, okay? And those are actually two skills that, well, believe it or not, you actually need in order to do good in all the other classes. <laughs> they affect everything. And so because I struggled in reading and writing, it, it was like everything else was just falling off the rails. It was like other kids were, 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 were not even trying that hard and they were excelling. And so I was looking at myself and saying, man, what's the problem with me, right? I don't compare with everybody else. Everybody else, they they don't study and they ace the class. Me, I study my butt off and I'm barely pulling out C's, right? But thankfully, school wasn't the only thing that I did. I also got involved in sports, right? Sports, I excelled that and that was a great season of my life. But the sport that I really zeroed in on just so happened to be probably one of the roughest, hardest sports out there. And it was wrestling. Wrestling became my sport. It was it was my thing. And here's the way that wrestling works. Every weekend, you would go to a tournament. And at these tournaments, they would have these bracket rooms where they would take the wrestlers back. They would line you up against a wall and you would be lined up with 12 other guys that are in your bracket, guys that you would probably have to face. Somebody out of those 12 guys was gonna be top of the podium Somebody wasn't going to make the to to uh, the podium, and some were going to be somewhere in between. And so as we would step back into this room, oftentimes I would be comparing myself to everybody else to try to see where I would measure up. And I'm embarrassed to actually admit this like publicly, but the truth of the matter is there are some wrestling matches that I lost before I ever stepped onto the mat. Because in my head, I had determined that they were actually better than me, even though we had never actually competed before. <laughs> Crazy, right? Then you fast forward in my life to after high school, and somehow this small town boy from a small church ended up becoming a youth pastor in this massive church. And this church was actually just the people that attended this church. They had more people attending this church than probably three times as many people that grew up in the, the town that I grew up in. <laughs> okay? And so, so all of a sudden, a new shift sort of happened in my life, where now, all of a sudden, I felt like I had become somebody. People wanted to actually become my friend, right? Other churches were actually calling me up and actually coming to me and asking me to come be their youth pastor because they wanted to have a youth pastor that came from a large church. And I was beginning to think that I had arrived. I was better than everyone else, right? But then there was another shift that happened in my life. I actually stepped out of youth ministry and I wasn't sure what God was going to do with me next. And I found myself during that period of time of taking my family and actually moving into the in-laws basement. Proud to be a millennial, right? And, and all of a sudden, I was actually having to go get out those work boots and actually go and find a job, which actually happened to be the same job that I had when I was 18. I was walking down the same driveway with dirty clothes, ready to go pick up a shovel and get dirty, dig a hole, right? 
You want to talk about feeling like you're taking steps backwards in life, that was the season that I was in. And so as I look at my life of comparing myself to everyone else, I find that I was on this roller coaster ride, just constantly going up and down and up and down, and it was just this journey in my life. Now, I know that many of you are much more mature than me and probably haven't had such a crazy ride, but I still think that we all have a tendency to actually look at others in order to figure out a few things. How am I doing in life? Do, do others actually accept who I've become? Am I measuring up, uh, measuring up to everyone else's expectations? See, the truth be told, oftentimes we, we just want to be a little bit farther ahead of those other people in our life. We want to add a little er to the adjectives that describe us. We want to be smarter. We want to be stronger. We want to be richer. We want to be prettier. We want to be wiser. I mean, the list could go on and on. We just want to be a little bit more than them because then we feel like we can feel a little bit better about ourselves. Uh, it can't get... Well, it actually can get worse, okay? It can get worse when you get married or when you have kids, okay? That's when it starts to get a little bit worse. Because when you get married, then all of a sudden, you begin looking at your spouse to make you look good, right? So you want to make sure that they're dressing right. You want to make sure that they look good because how they look determines how people look at you, right? And so you want to make sure that you marry the prettiest or marry the hottest guy out there or the prettiest girl. And so all of a sudden, then you're also looking at the job, right? You want them to be successful in their job. You don't want them getting fired. You want them to succeed. And, and, and you look at how they're providing for you or are they providing for you in a way that actually puts you above everybody else? And then you add kids into the mix. And you want them to have all the things that you never had. And you also start, you can start living your life out through your kids. And so you pack their schedule full of all these different things and you push them as hard as you possibly can because you want them to find success in areas that you might not really have found success because their success becomes your success. Maybe for you, it's you're on the other side of the coin. You feel everyone else has more than you. You're on the losing side of the tracks and you feel like you never measure up. Sure, you still compare yourself to others, but it's only to see how far behind you are in the race, right? You'll never be as blank, fill in the blank, as them, right? If, you have, if you've fallen for this trap, then I want you to listen up this morning and I want you to write this down because if there's nothing else that you take from this talk, I want you to at least take this away, okay? There is no win in comparison, there's no win in comparison. There's no finish line. There's no final sense of satisfaction. There is no win, okay? So, so say that you're, you're better than somebody else. Hey, that's great, but it doesn't really help you, okay? Say, say you're not measuring up to everybody else. Hey, that's, that stinks, but the truth of the matter is that doesn't help you much either, right? Comparison is just a trap. It just keeps you captive to some imaginary standard of good enough that you'll never quite reach, which means it sets you up for failure because you will never actually enjoy your successes because you'll be too busy measuring all those failures, looking at all of those things that you never actually achieved, okay? So what do we do about this part of us? Personally, I love the fact that scripture actually speaks about all these different things. All the things that we struggle with, you can usually find the answer right here. And I think that's so cool. So let's jump back into our text. 
The text today that we read was actually written by a guy by the name of King Solomon. Yes, he was a king. He wasn't just any king. The Bible actually tells us that he was the wisest man who ever lived. So he's not somebody that you would want to compare yourself to. Because if you try to compare yourself to King Solomon, guess what? You are going to lose. Okay? You're going to lose bad. He's always going to come out the victor in that area. The man was actually one of the wealthiest people to ever live on the earth, okay? Other kings and other queens would literally travel far distances bringing him gifts just to be able to sit at his feet, to be able to seek out his wisdom for their own lives. So being able to read some of the writings that he wrote... Well, you got to think about this. This is actually quite the gift, okay? The fact that we can read a book that he actually wrote. And Ecclesiastes is one of those books. And so when we read the Ecclesiastes book, you start getting this feeling that King Solomon spent a lot of time observing and watching how others lived life. And he noticed these little things, and then he would actually write it out. He would address those things. And one of the tendencies that King Solomon noticed was how we like to compare ourselves to others. Let's look at it again. Ecclesiastes chapter 4, verse 4, just the first part. It says this. It says, And I saw that all toil and all achievement spring from one person's envy of another. So basically what King Solomon is saying here is he's saying, man, I've watched people. (laughs) And uh, for the most part, the thing that drives them to succeed, the thing that drives them to get ahead, it's their behavior that is a competitive behavior. (laughs) Okay, King Solomon, you just got me, (laughs) right? Yes, there's this competitive side inside of me where I'm looking at what everyone else is doing because deep down inside, man, I want to keep up with them. Or better yet, I want to beat them, right? You got to realize that Solomon is writing this literally years ago. So this tendency that he has discovered, this has been going on for actually a very long time. People were determining where they fit on the scale based on where everybody else fit on the scale. And he he noticed this happening over 3,000 years ago. So I think that it would be safe to, to say that this tendency is actually human nature. It's wired inside of us. And so notice what what Solomon says next in still verse 4, the last part. He says, this too is meaningless, a chasing after the wind. Meaningless. Chasing after the wind. I picture my kids running around the yard trying to catch the wind in their hands. Ha, you know, I'm going to get it. You know, and, and, and it makes me laugh a little bit picturing that in my head because it's a little bit ridiculous. Like, you're not going to catch the wind. Like, you just... It, It's not possible, right? And it's cute watching your kids run around and try, but it's a little bit silly. Now, it's not as silly if an adult is running around trying to catch the wind. It becomes a little bit more concerning. You become concerned about their mental well-being. Why in the world is that adult trying to catch the wind, right? It doesn't make sense because it's not something that is achievable. But comparison is the exact same thing. There's never a sense of satisfaction that comes from it. Notice what Solomon says in verse 5. He continues. He says, fools fold their hands and ruin themselves. This is also very important. Because what Solomon is saying here is he's not telling you to not be ambitious. 
to not try, to not do, right? I mean, this is Solomon we're talking about. Solomon built all the temples, right? He built these amazing gardens like nowhere else in the world. He had over 300 plus wives and 600 plus concubines. The man was busy, okay? He had more gold than Fort Knox, okay? So Solomon had his own ambitions in life. So he's not saying that you should just sort of sit on your hands and do nothing with your life. It's good for you to get out and do. It's good for you to become the best that you can at something. It would be a foolish thing for you to do nothing all day. So that's not what Solomon is saying here. So if you're not supposed to sit around and do nothing, but you're also not supposed to run around and just try to do everything, like, so what are you supposed to do, right? That's the question. And he sort of addresses this in verse 6. He says, a better one handful with tranquility than two handfuls with toil and chasing after the wind. Okay, so what he's saying here is that it's better to have one hand open because if your hand is open, God can actually put in or take out whatever God wants. Having only one hand to clutch what you can is actually better than having two fists that are constantly clutching. Why? Because with two fists clutched, there's never going to be any peace in your life. Because after you, you tighten your fingers around what you've grabbed, there's going to be something else that you're going to want to get. And there's never going to be a chance for you to get it all, right? And so you'll never find contentment. So he goes on to say this in verse 7. He says, again, I saw something meaningless under the sun. <laughs> I just got to say, this is so great because this is like he's starting another talk, right? And when he starts the talk, it would have been like if I started my talk at the beginning and said, hey, welcome to Timbers. Today, we're going to be talking about some meaningless things. <laughs> like, like, really? But somehow Solomon is able to talk about meaningless things and make those meaningless things sound interesting, right? So here's what he says in verse 8. He says, there was a man all alone. He had neither son nor brother. Now, in that time period, that would have been a big deal in their culture. Because if you didn't have a son or a brother, it meant that you had no one to leave your stuff to. But yet, the text tells us that he kept on working away to gain more and more and more and more. Look at what it says next. It says, there was no end to his toil, yet his eyes were not content with his wealth. So people, they work and 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 they're never content, right? There's always more for them to do. There is always another goal for them to achieve. There's always something else for them to try to get a hold of, right? And so then this leads the person that he's talking about to a question. The man asks, for whom am I toiling, right? In other words, what he's saying, why am I doing all of this? Why do I live my life in this way? Why am I constantly looking at everyone else and wondering if I'm winning, if I'm beating them? Let's look at the questions where he says it. He says, for whom am I toiling, he asked, and why am I depriving myself of enjoyment? Man, what a great question, right? Why is it that I can't stop and actually enjoy what I've actually spent my entire life trying to get to? Why is it that I have to keep busting my butt all day? Why am I not really enjoying what I have worked so hard to get? 
What am I really doing this all for anyhow? What's that thing inside of me that keeps driving me to keep on keeping on and get more and more and more? So what Solomon is saying is unless you do something about this, your human nature is going to lead you to be like this guy, constantly striving to get a little bit more and a little bit more and a little bit more and a little bit more. Constantly comparing and competing with the people to your right and to your left, right? But Solomon then closes this out by saying this. He says, he said, this too is meaningless, a miserable business. The New Living says that it's depressing. <laughs> well, if all you're doing is keeping your two handfuls clenched tight with the things that you've acquired, wishing that you had a third hand to clench something else, it doesn't matter what you have inside your hands. It doesn't matter what you've accomplished with your life. That mindset is going to give you a miserable life. You're going to find yourself depressed. You'll never be able to enjoy your life fully. The bottom line is there is no win in comparison, right? So the goal for my life is to learn to live like without comparison. I want to, to catch myself when I start comparing myself to another pastor or another church, right? When it comes to timbers and what's next for timbers, I don't want to be constantly looking at everybody else and saying, man, I, I need to chase what, what they have and chase what they're doing. Instead, I want to be chasing the things that God has in store for timbers, I think that we all could benefit from learning to live our lives like this. Stop looking to the right and to the left, to everybody else that surrounds us. You're, you're, you're looking to all of them. We need to just be content with who we are. There's nothing wrong with who God has made you to be. And you're right where you need to be. So trust the process and trust God. Now, maybe for you, the first step that needs to be taken is to actually go out and seek God. It's, it's hard to trust someone that you don't know, right? And the Bible actually tells us that if we draw near to God, that he'll actually draw near to us. And, and I want to encourage you to actually do that today. Draw near to him. Turn your life over to him. I want to encourage you to actually say yes to Jesus. So will you just take a moment to do that right here and right now? Will you pray this simple little prayer with me? Say, Jesus, I'm turning my life over to you. Please forgive me for living a life apart from you. Come into my life and lead my life from this point forward. In Jesus' mighty powerful name, Amen and amen. Now, if you said that prayer, we, pl we please are reaching out for you to reach out to us, okay? We want you to connect with us because we want to we come alongside you. We want to celebrate you. We want You just started the journey of following Jesus, and we want to do that journey with you, okay? So for, for all of us, though, as we close with our cue, I want us to, to leave today with a few questions to ponder. Where are you looking? Are you looking to a title? Are you looking to your house? Are you looking to your spouse? I feel like Dr. Seuss, right? Or are you looking to your bank account? What is that thing that you're looking to? Remember what Solomon said. If, if we are looking to our right and to our left, if we're not careful here, we're going to find our hands just constantly reaching for more and more and more. But the more that we grab, 
we still never get fulfilled. We still never find contentment, okay? So, are you exhausted from trying to keep up with the Joneses to get that next thing? Are you allowing what others have keep you from actually enjoying what God has allowed you to actually have, right? Is there something that that is out there that you, you're like, or someone that is out there that you're just sort of secretly like wishing would fail? Are you maybe clenching your hands to things a little too tightly? See, the truth of the matter is there's no win to comparison, right? And if there's no benefit to it, I think we should just knock it off and forget about it. Stop comparing, right? So let's fight that urge. Let's fight that urge and, and stop looking at everyone else. Let's stop clenching our fists. And instead, let's just choose to come closer together, to become one as a church family that is living to glorify him. So my cue for you this week is simply this. Let's spend this week identifying all the areas where we compare ourselves to others, okay? How would it feel if we let that comparison trap just go, right? How much less would we worry about life and what kind of joy might enter our life? Let's close in a little prayer. God, we just thank you that you are a God that can literally give and take away. Lord, we just want to trust you with the process of our life. Lord, we do want to become better. We do want to grow. We do want to multiply ourselves. Lord, we do want to get ahead, but not because we want to beat everybody else. Not because we want to just get more and more and more. Lord, help us to be content with the little and with the much. Lord, help us to be, be someone that is trusting you with the process. When you give, we celebrate it. When you take something away, we celebrate it. Let us work hard, but let us trust you with the process. And let us find our contentment in you. In Jesus' mighty, powerful name, and everybody said, no matter where you are today, amen and amen.